0: Welcome to the Living with Alzheimer's podcast. On this show, we share Ginger's journey and speak with subject matter experts about a variety of dementia-related topics. Ginger, a former English teacher and librarian, was diagnosed with Alzheimer's in 2019. This diagnosis has changed her world and has given her a unique perspective on life and living. I'm Krista, Ginger's son and full-time caregiver. I've created this podcast as a way to share the best practices I'm learning about caring for a person with dementia. Along the way, we'll document my mother's journey through her unique storytelling. You can subscribe to the Living with Alzheimer's podcast and find all the resources we discuss at LWALZ.com. In this episode of Living with Alzheimer's, I speak with Kristen Rossi, Vice President of Development at Alzheimer's Association, Michigan Chapter, about her role generating revenue to help fund Alzheimer's Association research and support efforts. We also talk about the Association's mission and the many services it provides to the public. Well, good morning, Kristen. Welcome to Living with Alzheimer's podcast.
1: Good morning, Krista. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Well, thanks so much for being here. So I know that you're the uh, vice president of development for the Alzheimer's Association, Michigan chapter. W- what is your role at the Alzheimer's Association
1: So really all things revenue. Um, I'm in charge of getting the funds in the door so that we can execute our programs and services and mission here in Michigan. And really throughout the nation as well, we are a part of the greater Alzheimer's Association that's nationwide. Um, that's making a lot of waves in terms of research and advocacy on the national level. So a lot of what we do um, with our walks to end Alzheimer's, for example, um, really do support those initiatives as well.
0: Okay. So the kinds of things that you do for revenue generation would be like the walk.
1: Yeah, like the walk, we've got um, many different events throughout the state. Um, So we've got 25 different walk to end Alzheimer's events um, that go all the way from Detroit up to Marquette. Uh, We even have one community led walk in Iron Mountain so we have many across the state they're a big revenue generator for us we also have a couple other events our chocolate jubilee um, uh, that raises about a million dollars each year usually held in october it's been virtual the last couple years Um, and then our spring soiree event uh, we've got a couple others a golf outing um, um, a rock and roll kind of event and then we also do, you know, more of the traditional kinds of fundraising, the annual appeal, um, the grant seeking, um, and, you know, just other things to kind of supplement our, our revenue income.
0: Okay. That's a lot of things. Yeah,
1: it is. It is. It's a lot to keep, uh, afloat. Uh, and
0: you must be attending a bunch of those as oh, yes. well as, yes. you know, doing the logistics for them.
1: Luckily, we have a wonderful team that is statewide, Uh, so we have people in every community that work both on development and programs in different areas. We kind of um, use people to the best of our ability, and then um, we've got a team that you know really just kind of sets out, our leadership team sets out, and we try to go to as many walks as possible. Um, They're always in September and October for the most part, Um, so sometimes we'll have seven walks in one weekend. I think that was our biggest this year seven walks in one weekend but yeah it's a lot to um manage but it is a really exciting part of what we do um kind of what i have in the background here i know your listeners can't see uh the picture but um it's our promised garden ceremony we give everyone a flower that kind of signifies their relationship to um alzheimer's disease we ask everyone to hold their flowers up at the event it's a great showing of solidarity um, is a really good way to bring people together. We call it our largest support group. The walk is our largest support group. Um, and just for example, in Detroit, we have well, at, at our biggest year, we had about 6,000 people. So like a 6,000 person support group. And then in some of our smaller communities, you know, they're 100, 250 people. Um, so it really runs the gamut. And um, this year, I will say we saw lower attendance, um, but our revenue is kind of inching back up to 2019 numbers after a really tough 2020.
0: Okay. Yeah, Yeah. 2020 was not a fun year.
1: <laughs> no, I don't think it was for anyone in any regard.
0: <laughs> no, but but the picture that I see in your background is a very large group of people gathered. Um, boy, that's an old theme right there. Very large group of people gathered. <laughs> I know. Um, and a wash of color of all the various flowers that people are holding up. So, yeah. Yeah,
1: for, and then... For viewers but...
0: or for listeners who can't view...
1: Absolutely. And right in the front of my screen is a white flower, um, which anyone who's been to one of our walks has seen in the last couple of years. It's a new addition to kind of the garden that we're creating and it represents um, a cure. It represents hope for the future. Um, So we only have one at every event uh, just to kind of keep that hope alive.
0: The hope is there. Yeah. Yeah. So I've read that Alzheimer's disease is named after a. German psychiatrist whose name is Aloy, I believe, Alzheimer. We say Alois Alzheimer's. Alois. I am positive saying?
1: we're not saying it correctly, but okay. that's what we say. Okay.
0: <laughs> um, so he diagnosed the the case of this type of dementia back in nineteen oh one. And I imagine that the Alzheimer's Association at some point was established. And when when was that? Nineteen
1: eighty. Yeah. So it was a long time before that discovery of the first uh, person, Auguste D um, that was found with Alzheimer's and the founding of the Alzheimer's Association. Um, and it started as just a group of caregivers. It was kind of a grassroots movement to support caregivers and to have a place where caregivers could kind of unite because people weren't really naming it. They were just kind of you know, putting shutting people up. Um, you know, keeping them in darkness. There was a lot of stigma around it. Still is in a lot of ways, um, and that's hard for the person experiencing dementia for sure. And in so many ways, it it has been and continues to be really difficult for caregivers. Um, so, so this was really started so that caregivers could kind of find common people who were going through the same things. Um, And this is the collective that it turned into, you know, even in Michigan, it was these pods, it was these different chapters around the state. Um, And then slowly Michigan kind of came together as one. And similarly, nationally, we've come together as one. Um, So the focus really now is um, dual. It's on the caregivers, it's on the person with dementia, it's on the people, but then it's also on the science. It's also trying to figure out how are we going to eliminate this disease long term.
0: So, when you speak about caregivers, and that's part of the point of this podcast is to point people at resources that are there. Yeah. And it was actually my daughter, Kyla, who found uh, the contact for Alzheimer's Association in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Oh, okay. And she was our first resource to what this is. Disease was going to mean to my mom and to our family, and how to take care of ourselves so that we could take care of her. And really, I'm not sure that we had any other resource options to, you know, to really get help for that. There were people in the profession who, you know, could give us some information. The hospital group that's here in Grand Rapids, uh, held some classes on dementia and there Mm -hmm. was definitely information shared there, but this was like, you know, she came into our home, talked to us, uh, saw the setting, uh, gave recommendations, you know, for safety and, uh, helping her be as clear and connected as possible. It was, it was a really great resource. Wow. Wonderful. The fact that that's at the association's roots showed, you know, even now that she was very concerned about us, you know, being able to care for ourselves as well as for my mom.
1: Absolutely. It impacts the entire family. So our care counselors do a really good job looking at the whole picture and coming up with a plan for everyone, wherever that is necessary. You know, that could be for the caregiver in many different ways, the caregiver, you know, uh, handling some situations with the person with dementia could be also the caregiver with family, um, that can get kind of sticky and, and can get in the way of care sometimes. Right. Um, so yeah, well, I'm so glad that Kyla found those resources. I yes. have to say that is our number one, um, you know, punch to the heart here at the association when we hear people say, you know, I wish I would have known about your resources when I was going through this with right. my loved one, with my family member. And we're really trying to do as much as we possibly can to get ahead of that so that we can mm-hmm. get to people when they need us.
0: Well, I've, I've, uh, I did a presentation for a secular group in Kansas City when I lived there when I first learned that my mom uh, had Alzheimer's and i gave the talk because a the community wants you know shared information like that so yeah. i had the opportunity to speak to a group of people um but also because i kept running into pockets of people who didn't know each other or didn't have shared information it was like everybody was learning all over again from scratch and i really felt like there's got to be a way to help people um, not feel so isolated and like they're starting from, you know, this spot zero in the dark, not knowing where to go. And, uh, and so I'm, I'm really been happy to, um, you know, work with Alzheimer's Association for this podcast in hopes that then people will, you know, learn more uh, and share more of that information. That'll become more of a common conversation.
1: That's our hope as well. And you really, um, hit on something really important there, just that isolation. Um, Mm -hmm. it can be devastating for people. Um, and it can, uh, it can lead to further issues. I, I, we know, and I'm trying to remember the statistics right now, but it's like 60% of caregivers have chronic health issues themselves. And Mm -hmm. I think it's like 27% have depression as well. Um, and that hits the person with dementia and that hits the caregiver. So we have a couple different programs, um, that hopefully try to get at that as well in Metro Detroit, we have a program called community connect. Um, and it's really aimed at drawing people with dementia and their caregivers out into the community. So that they don't feel like they have to hide the disease, like it's a stigma in any way. And they go places like the Henry Ford Museum, um, like the DIA, um, the Detroit Zoo, um, the Historical Society, just different places that engages them. Uh, both from an interest level, but also from a social level. They can talk to people who are going through the same things. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's really key. That's really key. Just uh, trying to get at that isolation.
0: Right. I'll have to check out more. That sounds like an episode right there. About the oh, absolutely. Connections that are available. For yeah. Caregivers.
1: And our um, coordinator, Kayla Jekyll, um, would be a great person to talk about that. She could talk okay. a little bit more maybe about um where they've gone recently.
0: Right. Yeah. Sounds great. So w- we got at it a little bit. Um my question here is what's the basic mission of Alzheimer's Association? So I heard you say um the caregiver support, and I heard you say research. What what else? You got it.
1: Um I mean that is that's the nuts and bolts of it. And I always kind of start with our our vision, which is a world without Alzheimer's. Um, And the mission, just to quote the entire mission for you, um, is leading the way to end Alzheimer's and all other dementia by accelerating global research, driving risk reduction and early detection and maximizing quality care and support. Um, So that really hits on all the major tenants Accelerating research is, you know, I've mentioned it already, it's just a huge one if we're going to eliminate this disease. Um, Definitely early detection is something that we're trying to get at in just making sure that the medical community is ready to diagnose um, Alzheimer's, dementia in general, um, and Alzheimer's, different types of dementia um, overall and then caring for the people who are dealing with this in the here and now. Um, So if you uh, have ever seen kind of the symbol around the Alzheimer's association, it looks like two little circles and um, it's, we call it the brain beaker. So it's the person, it's the brain, it's the person dealing with it. And then the beaker, it's the science behind it. So those are, you know, normally the two that we um, really focus on and, we get there through so many of our advocacy efforts, um, through our walk to end Alzheimer's, getting the word out through our events. Um, so that's how we really get at the mission.
0: It's funny you talk about the logo because I've seen it a bajillion times and I never thought, "What is that?" Yeah, <laughs> and now <you> know. <laughs> I see it because it's on. It's also on your background, the logo, and as you were describing it, the the person because the, there's yeah. a shape to the left and then the beaker because it's you know got that little uh swizzle at the top where, yeah. yeah that looks like the top of a beaker now I get it yeah I didn't it, know. It,
1: it makes total sense I I know even before I started working here I think I was thinking it was like mimicking the a and the a yeah um but yeah as soon as I saw it too I was like well yep I get it that makes total yep. sense
0: <laughs> that's funny so what research efforts um has the Alzheimer's Association been focused on funding? And uh, w- what, if any, efforts are being planned for the future? Yeah,
1: plans? we have. Um, I'll, I'll, it's a lot. <laughs> so even right off the bat, I want to encourage your listeners to um, find our Science Hub app. In their app store, so if you just simply type in, you can do Alzheimer's Association Science Hub or just simply Science Hub, and it will pop up, and it'll show you, you know, some of the, um, you know, big initiatives, big research efforts that we've got going right now. Um, but we put out 250 million as an association toward research uh, each year. Um, or, or overall, and that amounts to 750 projects in 39 different countries. So our uh, mission really highlights it, that we're accelerating global research and it really is a global initiative. Um, we, you know, support a database that kind of captures all the global efforts um, worldwide so that all the scientists can kind of be on the same page about what's happening. Um, we have, you know, a number of different uh, studies aimed at prevention and early detection. Um, one that's really exciting to me is called US Pointer. Um, it's mimicked after a U- European study um, that was called the Finger Study. So, you know, we're it, there's a whole acronym to it, um, but uh, it's it's really aimed at lifestyle research and looking at um you know what different lifestyle interventions might be able to lower the risk of risk of dementia. Um, there there's a, a, a part of that study as well that looks specifically into blood pressure. Can lowering blood pressure uh you know limit the um uh ability of dementia to kind of work its way in um so we have a number of different efforts and probably the best time to even capture all of these that are on the hub and even some that are just coming out, you know, as each year goes by is through our Alzheimer's International Conference. Um, we host every year. It's in the summer. It's been in the summer these last two years, and um, it's been offered virtually and in person this last year. Um, and that's really where all the global efforts really come together. Um so that information is out there for your listeners as well. Uh, it's really, really exciting. And even this last year, um, we had uh, a new drug come out. I don't know if you've heard of it as well, but it, it's called Adjuhelm. Um, and it was you know, passed by the FDA. There was a bit of controversy around it as well. Do I think that Alju Helm is the answer is the, you know, drug that we're going to be looking toward as the fix it kind of catch all for Alzheimer's? Definitely not. But I'm excited about this drug coming out because I think it sends a signal to uh, the pharmaceutical industry at large that Alzheimer's research is not a lost cause. Um, mm-hmm. that, you know, starting with these drugs, uh, to, uh, um, lower the effects, lower the symptoms is a step in the right direction. So that's another thing that really excites me.
0: Uh, that's kind yeah, of, that, that's, uh, where that's a good point. Uh, because I had, I had some mixed feelings about how that whole announcement for the drug Went and um, then talking to my mom's neurologist and her feedback, you know, with some of the peers of hers that she referred to. And like there was a lot of shoulder shrugging, like, hey, this is this particular drug is maybe decent for a subset of a subset yeah. and not widely applicable. But when you think about it the other way, it's some headway. It's oh, absolutely, brought a drug to market that actually has an impact on some of the population it means we're learning yeah so when i think about it that way it's a much more positive
1: um, i I, i'm right there with you and i felt the same way you know i i went from like Fully excited, very interested in you know what else was coming along with this drug, to kind of wondering, bringing more questions to mind anyway. Um, and I think actually the I don't know if you saw it, but the CBS Sunday Morning um, show that was on I think it was just this last Sunday.
0: I uh, didn't see it.
1: It really it it was a good segment and it shed some light on um, on the drug in general. And there was a gentleman. Um, that they interviewed that had early or sorry, younger onset dementia. I can't remember how Mm -hmm. old he was, but he was kind of saying, you know, I'm still young. I'm still raising my family. I would take this drug in a heartbeat. You know, if it even has a glimpse of, you know, being able to help me in subs, some substantive way, I would do it. Um, so that was, that shed some light for me as well. Um, so I think, yeah, it's, it's perspective. We're not going to get, you know, the silver bullet right now. It's not going to come out right away. It's going to be like every other disease, like every other drug, and it's going to be slowly progressing, but we really do have to start somewhere.
0: Right. Uh, I glossed over it as you were saying it. My mind just blurred. What's the drug called again?
1: Adjuhelm.
0: Adjuhelm. Okay. Yeah. All yeah. Right. I'll look for that episode and see if I can't.
1: It was, I thought it was really good and our chief science officer was on as well, Maria Carrillo, and I think she does a a great job kind of bringing the science down to layman (laughs) terms. Okay. (laughs) I appreciate things uh, being put in those terms. When
0: they're simplified.
1: Yes. (laughs) Wrap
0: your head around it. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. So, um, we again. We kind of talked about it. We're getting ahead of my, my prepared questions. Sometimes, <laughs> like, hey, wait, we just already talked about that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, thinking about the current research efforts that are going on right now, and you said that there were 750 projects currently, yeah. right? Yeah, okay. 39 countries. So, which one or two stand out to you?
1: I mean, U.S. Pointer is a really, a really big one for me. I, I just and that's think the
0: lifestyle. It is.
1: It's the lifestyle intervention. And that's probably, you know, something that interests me the most, um, simply because I have dementia in my family. And Mm -hmm. I'm looking for anything that I can do right now to ensure that I don't end up like my grandmothers did, that I don't see some of the um, same, same early symptoms that we saw in them.
0: Right. So that's that's you just probably. better not find out that it's bacon because I'm going to be really upset if this is all about bacon. <laughs> I
1: know. <laughs> well, I would be too. I would be too. Right? Well, <laughs> and I will say a lot of what they talk about is the Mediterranean diet. And I can't say I've seen bacon in the diet, right. but <laughs> darn. <Gosh. laughs> yeah. So that's probably the one that interests me the most.
0: Okay. Yeah, Yeah, I'll have to look more into that um, because it sounds like they're probably already publishing some findings.
1: Yeah, and there's more on our website as well, um, just about the trajectory of the project, who's leading it, um, and some of the early findings.
0: Okay, cool. Absolutely. So if you find yourself repeating a few core messages to people what what are those messages and how can the public educate themselves uh about the work
1: i think the biggest one for me is that alzheimer's is not a normal part of aging dementia is not a normal part of aging i think people so quickly resign to that oh they're getting older oh they're losing Mm -hmm. their memory just because they're getting older that's not what dementia is um and often we talk to people that are a little bit worried when they can't find their car keys or they find them in an odd right. spot. You know, that's not so much the concern. Everybody has forgetful moments. Um, it's when it progresses to the point where you don't know what car keys are for. And right. and we see that with people with dementia um, fairly frequently or it progresses to that point. Um, So that's a big message um, that I like to repeat also, because I think it helps diminish the stigma. And I think it helps us call attention to what we can do to help when we're calling it what it is. Um, so, So that's a really big one. And then I think it's also difficult for people to understand. Um, and, you know, six years ago, before I started working with the Alzheimer's Association, I didn't know the difference between Alzheimer's and dementia. And we kind of use those terms interchangeably. Um, right. But I think it's important to note that Alzheimer's is kind of the umbrella term. Um, like we have cancer and then different types of cancer. Dementia okay. is is that larger umbrella term, but Alzheimer's... Um, accounts for 60 to 80 percent of all cases so it is
0: the most okay. common type of dementia the most common yeah yeah so those My are dad the had ones. vascular dementia which was ah, probably okay. brought on by a stroke um parkinson's is a dementia right? you got it
1: you got it frontotemporal yeah. dementia lewy body dementia
0: oh lewy body right yeah I'm forgotten
1: yeah, there are many, many different types. And our our staff is trained to, you know, uh, talk to anyone about whatever type of dementia that they have and kind of cater resources exactly to that type of dementia.
0: So if you're a family and someone's just been diagnosed with any kind of dementia, you could still get sur- support services through Absolutely. Alzheimer's Association. Absolutely. Okay. Um, and. and- Kristen, it uh, was a question that I had earlier sure. and I skipped it because we had kind of talked to it, but since we're right here again, what, if, if a person made a call, what would be the main reasons to contact association uh, because they're looking for resources? What would those main uh, takeaways be typically?
1: Um, When, so when they call, you know, what, what do they get when they call say our 800 number? Right. Well, it's, Probably different for every family. And, and now is a good time to mention our 800 number itself, because I do want to encourage everyone to call this as a first resource. So it's 1 800 272 3900.
0: 800 272
1: 3900. Yes. And I would say that people call. um And, you know, another great show if you want to continue this is to talk to our helpline coordinator. Um, because the calls are fielded nationally. That's how we're able to pick up the phone 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Um, But then they also come to our Michigan chapter. I never thought about that, Kristen. (laughs) What's that? Sorry.
0: (laughs) I never thought about that. You've got the phone number. You have to have people there to answer it all the time.
1: All the time, all the time. And I think that's what's so great about our really wide network. We do have people that answer it all the time. Um but then a lot of the resources, requests, questions do come to our Michigan chapter for more local information when when needed. Um, so we've got a fantastic person working in that role, and I'm sure she's got stories for days she could tell us. Um, but I would say that people call for a number of different reasons.'ve I've heard of instances where people call in the middle of a difficult behavior that their Mm -hmm. loved one is exhibiting. Um, Maybe it's uh, violent behavior. Uh, Maybe, you know, someone's at their wits end uh, with the same question being asked for the 50th time that day, and they cannot Mm -hmm. answer it again. Um, And the helpline can help mitigate that as well. Um, But in addition to that, people call for resources, like how do I find a support group? Or what is the nearest support group to me? How do i find educational resources um can i get some sort of consultation for myself and my family all those things are available and i can say that i've called the helpline personally um just myself even working here because i i didn't know where to turn it was on a weekend i i didn't want to you know call one of my coworkers directly and Um, not only was it super helpful in the moment, but within a week, I got just a packet of materials um, based on my specific question that I had Mm -hmm. and um, the specific issue we were dealing with with the loved one and how to continue to contact them if I needed more help. That's great. Yeah.
0: Yeah, because you mentioned um, the person who's in a situation and they don't know how to Uh, deal with it, especially if it's getting into that negative emotion, um, you know, difficult situation. And my mom's a sweetie and she mostly gets frustrated, you know, when ah, just kind of exasperated, you know, but not combative. And I, I, you know, know of a situation where the dementia, the person with dementia is much more combative and negative and always with the I don't believe you you know kinds of things right and and I've heard that commonly um, happens and I'm so grateful that I don't have to deal with that one Um, but for the person who does it's great to know that there are some resources out there of how to handle that because that could be exhausting
1: absolutely absolutely and then you frankly worry for your safety and your loved one's safety. Right. Uh, A really tricky one, especially this time of year, now that winter is coming in here in Michigan is wandering. Um, We get Mm -hmm. calls on that a lot. Um, And sadly, I see stories in in the paper all the time of um, what can happen when someone wanders in uh, very, very cold temperatures. And we have a whole list of things that you can do to help keep your loved ones safe, help keep them indoors um, if they are prone to wandering. So yeah, so, it's, it's multi-layered. So that,
0: that brings to mind again about the number and why calling could be helpful. Because I know there's so much information on the website. Sometimes it's just hard to find exactly yes. what you need. And and the ability. Oh man, there's so many companies. Where I'm just like just talk to me please you know and so i I love that you can call and talk to a person and you know they can point you to the right resources
1: i i am that person i'm the person who i don't want to chat if i have a customer service inquiry i don't want to do the little you know chat room thing that they have i don't want to send an email i want to talk to a person and i want them to help me directly um, exactly. so yeah, if you're that kind of person, then this is definitely, uh, definitely a helpful tool. On the other hand, if you're not that kind of person, um, you can also, uh, send a helpline email. Um, so, and I believe okay. that one is, um, well, I know ours is helpline GMC at ALZ.org, but I can get you that for your listeners as well. Uh, That'd be great. Yeah, Absolutely.
0: And and the other thing I've I've used the search function on Alzheimer's Association's website and it's very good. I mean, yeah, you you can get to the topics pretty quickly and and typically if it's, uh, I've found that if it was a fairly common question, you know, like about travel, we were going to travel with my mom. Oh, yeah. and we were like, how do we do that? You know, without her being completely disoriented, yeah. what can we do? and uh, those resources were very easy to find but i didn't even think to call now i will just call
1: (laughs) well good yeah and i'm glad they were easy to find like you say there's so much information out there it's hard sometimes to hone in on exactly what you need or what you want right um so so yeah i'm glad that both both resources are available for um for everyone
0: yeah that's great so you talked about your role and one of those had to do with the walk so you just wrapped up the big walk for walk to end alzheimer's in 2021 what what were the goals for that event and how did how did things go so better than 2020 i know
1: yes much better than 2020 uh yeah we're looking we're looking really good uh, so we just wrapped up our our Metro Detroit, uh, walk End Alzheimer's. It was our last one of the season. Um, we, uh, we had it gold at $660,000, you know, just trying to inch our way back up to where we were previously. And we are now, I'm happy to report at 709,000. Wow! So we, we exceeded our goal. We're very, very happy about that. Um, It's uh, it gives us a lot of hope for next year as well, because like I said, we we saw lower attendance throughout the state, but um, pretty good revenue getting us back up to our 2019 numbers. Um, So we're we're looking really good there. You know, we're over 2 million for the whole state. Um, And it just gives us a lot of hope for next year that not only will we be able to sustain and grow revenue. Uh, but we're also, I'm hoping, going to be able to welcome more people to events as people do get more comfortable going back out in public. Uh, All of our events are outside. All of our walk events are outside. Um, And that worked out this year, especially with people kind of dipping a toe into, uh, you know, what gathering looks like in 2021. Right. So, uh, So I hope to see higher attendance next year.
0: That's great. So in big basic blocks, those revenues that you're generating are going to support what?
1: Care support and research. Yeah. So everything, it's full mission. It's full mission. Um, So I, I feel really good about being able to hit on each one of those points at our walks and to talk to people about research and what our research efforts are looking like. And then also what's available right there in their community, as well as nationwide. Like when we're talking about helpline, when we're talking about someone being there to answer the phone all the time, that's part of what we're raising money for. Um, And then, of course, the the tireless advocacy efforts in in public policy, in the public policy realm, um, on the state and federal level, just to make sure we're getting the attention for Alzheimer's disease that it warrants. Um, right. And so that we can get that bigger um, NIH uh, funding that is necessary um, to pave the way for all large scale research efforts.
0: So, if I wanted to participate in one of the walks, yeah, what what does that look like?
1: So, you can go to alz.org/walk and it'll show you a map of the entire United States. You can put your zip code in, you can put your state in, you can put your city in, and you can just see what there is in your community. I also know people that um, are really dedicated to the walk that like to go on location and walk in different places. Um, We have one family that just recently went to Arizona and they coordinated it. So it would be at the time that the, I think it was Sedona or, or maybe Phoenix, Phoenix walk was happening. So it happens in over 600 communities nationwide. Um, And like I said, 25 here in Michigan. So you can find the one nearest to you. You can find the one where you have family or maybe a loved one struggling with the disease and uh, you you can walk there. There is no fee to join. We welcome absolutely everyone and every ability level. We keep the loops. Usually we do about a two mile loop for the walk um, but we have a shorter loop so that you know anyone can participate.
0: Okay, that was one of my questions was what am I up for? Yeah. (laughs) What am I committing myself to? Yes. Uh, And then the other is how do you, if if there's no fee related, how do you raise revenue from the event?
1: All of our teams and participants. Um, So Walk is a year round initiative. It's kind of a campaign that we do year round. We have committees in each one of our communities that kind of help make sure that everything's on target. We put an aggressive goal out for everyone. And our communities are fierce. They are charging toward those goals. Um, So all year round, we're working with participants. We're working with team captains um, to make sure that, um, you know, they've got all the resources that they need uh, to to raise funds. And in addition to that, we also are supported by sponsorships in each one of our communities. Okay. Yeah.
0: But the walk itself me going and walking. I'm not having people like, donate money because I took so many steps or whatever I mean there are some things that are set up like that but
1: so some people how? do yeah it's okay. not a requisite part I I think um what you're talking about is like that walkathon model right. where it's like exactly you know fund a particular number of steps or mile yep. um and some teams do set themselves up that way and are very very successful um that's not a prerequisite that's not something that you know people have to do but people raise funds in all kinds of ways i'm always surprised um always impressed how people do it um one of our top fundraisers does um crafts like during the pandemic she would sew masks and sell them for a donation and um, she was able to raise um under just under ten thousand dollars with that um And then we have uh, another person that actually participates in the Detroit walk and she is from the Alpena area and she does a comedy night with all of her family and friends. She's done it for many years and she does very well fundraising through that. Um, So we have some really, really creative participants and really creative team captains.
0: That's very interesting.
1: Yeah. 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 The, our, our biggest hope is that people Um, see this cause um, see their connection to it and their family's connection to it and kind of say, I'm going to start a team. I'm going to, you know, participate in a big way. And our hope is that they become a team captain and join all of their family and friends to their team so that they can, you know, grow their support um, within that team. Um, We have, we have one of our biggest teams in Metro Detroit, anyway, um, uh, is a big family. Uh, it's, it was a big person in the community that had Alzheimer's and, um, he had a lot of supporters and they raise, you know, anywhere between 30 and $40,000, um, each year through family and friend support. It's amazing.
0: So it sounds like the walk is really about connecting people to each other. And then these things organically happen that generate revenue.
1: You've got it. Yeah. Some, some do happen organically. I, I think that any team captain will tell you that, um, they have been just bowled over by the support of their family and friends that people come out of the woodwork that you never, for example, on my team this year, I had someone from my high school, um, give me a donation because his wife, Uh, his wife's father is struggling with the disease. I haven't talked to this person in many years. (laughs) Um, I had no idea that this would show up on his radar, but I did a Facebook fundraiser and sure enough, um, he he came to support. I was so impressed. Um, But so I would say that some happens organically, some just kind of comes out of the woodwork and some people work really hard to get to their fundraising goal. Um, they put on events, um, you know, they sell different products for a donation. Um, they, they work with their family and friends to kind of, um, amp up support. Um, so I, I'm really, we've got some great participants that do a really good job. Some people get employer support. That's a, that's a big one as well. They talk to their employer. They do like a casual for a cause day at their work. Um, which is really helpful, different companies match their gifts. And many times they didn't know that coming into this, they're just coming in thinking, I want to make a difference. I want to do something. And uh, more and more people are affected than you even realize when you set out to do this.
0: So if a listener wanted to go and donate, that website is pretty easy, I believe, right?
1: Absolutely. I would say find the walk that you would like to align yourself with. Um, And you can give a general donation to that walk. You can find a team member or a team captain um, that you might know in that area, or you can start your own. I would really encourage, um, you know, someone just looking into this for the first time um, to sign up as a participant themselves. And you'll see all kinds of resources. Once you do that, you have um, kind of a back end view to what you see on the, the website. Um, and then if you've got and again, family that's and friends,
0: alz.org/slash/walk. You got it. Yep. Okay.
1: You got it. Yeah, yeah. And you can find any any walk that you're you're interested in there. And uh, on that main page too, once you take that to whatever community you're interested in, if you scroll all the way down, you can look at some of the top teams and top participants, okay. um, and just see what they've been able to do. Um, so it's uh It's pretty impressive.
0: I will definitely be taking a look. I had not heard enough about what's going on. And so we had not plugged in yet.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. And I'm happy to share some of those resources directly to you as well. If you put it on your webpage.
0: That's awesome. Well, Kristen, thanks again for your time. Uh, I really appreciate the information. There was some things that I knew I wanted to get from you and so much more that you provided along the way. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you so much for having me and for bringing this conversation up. I I think it's so important and the work you're doing to kind of communicate this out and make sure that everybody, um, you know, knows where they can turn for help and support is wonderful. So thank you.
0: You're welcome. All right. Be well.
1: Right. Okay. You too. All right. See you. Bye,
0: Christophe. Thank you for listening to this episode of Living with Alzheimer's. Please visit the Living with Alzheimer's website at lwalz.com, where you can subscribe to the show and find all the resources we discuss in podcast episodes. We'll see you next time on the Living with Alzheimer's podcast.